0: Welcome back to another Sound Truth interview. I'm your host, Adam Miller, and today I'm privileged to be joined by Dr. Michael Youssef, who is with Leading the Way, a great ministry that you have probably know a good deal about, a national ministry, international ministry with some great gospel teaching. It's a real privilege to not only have him on the broadcast, but we're going to be able to see him here in New England uh, coming up this, this fall, and we're really excited to have him come and bring the gospel to us. Uh, Dr. Youssef, thank you so much for being a part of the Many Voices for that one message.
1: Thank you, Pastor Miller. I'm glad to be coming over to New England. I think it's uh, a great privilege for me to um, to come, and especially for the Moody Center, mm-hmm. uh, D.L. Moody. And uh, many, many years ago, I spoke at Founders Weekend in Chicago, and uh, I mentioned that uh, one of the very first books that impacted my life was the uh, when I was a brand-new Christian. It, it was a biography of D.L. Moody, and uh, I've never been the same since. So that, to me, is always uh, a great name and a great place uh, to be. And uh, I am praying, as well as I know you are, and so many people in New England, and and certainly in our church here in Atlanta, Georgia, that God would use that opportunity to ignite a, a, a third great awakening. Amen yeah this is a place for it right New
0: England it has become a great mission field but you've been all around the world I mean you have started out in the Middle East uh, you've experienced a real a hardship in in and kind of um I would say a, a a world where where Christianity was not prominent and that's becoming America in many ways and starting here in New England so uh, tell us a little bit about how your background can give us some insight into what God can do in the midst of what seems to be a really big crisis.
1: Yeah, this is one of the most amazing things that I could not have comprehended uh, even a few years ago, Uh, let alone now. um, As I'm thinking, I'm about to turn 73, and I'm thinking that the first 18 years of my life were growing as a a Christian minority, persecuted minority, uh, discriminated against minority, and... um, Literally, I escaped from the Middle East with the clothes on my back. I mean, literally, uh, I escaped back in the 60s. And, but all of this background was not uh, wasted. Nothing is wasted in the kingdom of God. But God was preparing me uh, in, in all of this. And, and so many of my colleagues who went to seminary with me and, and now sort of retired and putting their feet up. And I think God is just riving me up. I'm starting now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just beginning to uh, use all of that experience, and this is the most amazing thing. Uh, I was on a board, uh, on a, a board meeting just the, the other day, and we were talking about a Western country. I won't mention it, but a Western country that has taken my program off the air mm. because I am. I'm preaching, you know, a biblical morality and biblical marriage. And this is a Christian channel. It's not a secular channel. It's a Christian channel. But they just said, it too controversial. They took me off the air. And yet, just few weeks ago, I've preached all over the Middle East. I've preached in Dubai and in Egypt. I've preached all over, the, and I continue to preach all over the Middle East. But isn't that ironic? in The times we live in, that I can be invited to meet heads of state in the Middle East and preach in the Middle East, and yet countries that uh, traditionally Christian countries are now saying, No, 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 your message is too strong, you're preaching too much Jesus, and you're offending this group, and you're offending that group, and you're offending so it's really amazing times we're living in, and so I cannot wait to see what God is going to do I believe with all my heart that God is going to do something great there's nothing nothing to do with me nothing to do with uh, even the location although I believe there is you know there God is going to honor the the faithfulness of, of those uh, believers in in New England who have been praying for a long time um, but I, I believe that this is a time the Bible said that where sin increases grace also abounds. Mm and when it gets the darkest that's when the light begins to shine so that is the where we're anchoring our faith on that event and uh, many other events that God will will ignite uh, an awakening mm. You
0: faced a lot of opposition in your life, and certainly your background plays into a, a greater knowledge of the power of God to overcome a lot of those obstacles. And one of your latest books, uh, "This Present Crisis," uh, deals with uh, where you're seeing America come. It, it, having the background that you've had and seen real opposition, you're starting to see the kind of the leading up to it. And I think in the last couple of years, it's really ramped up, hasn't it?
1: Uh, absolutely. I mean. I couldn't have seen it, as I said just earlier. I couldn't have seen that a few years ago, but now I can see why uh, the Lord has guided my steps in such a way that not only those first 18 years of of my life in the Middle East, and then he took me to Australia where I got trained, and then I I headed up a ministry uh, during the 80s where it took me literally around the world 64 times where wow. I have preached the gospel in every corner of the globe. And I've seen the church uh, with its uh, highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen the church thriving in Korea, and I've seen the church struggling uh, in other parts of Asia and in, in, in Africa. And so all of this, I believe the Lord in his mercy and in his graciousness to me, has given me this preparation for something. Um, and I might, I might be totally mistaken, but I am his. He can take me home tomorrow if he wants to, uh, whichever way he wants to use me. But I, I, am, I am totally his servant and I, he can use me whichever way he wants to. But I'm believing that our best days are still ahead of us.
0: You've also mentioned that um you've you've preached all over the Middle East and you've been accepted <laughs> as as a preacher yep. and people have listened to you uh, but in America it's very different do you feel that uh, especially here in New England where uh, humanism reigns and uh liberalism is so high that that uh people are not as willing to listen is 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 it different than the kind of opposition you faced in the middle east
1: yes it is it is different than the same at the at the same time uh it is different because there's a hardness of the heart. Mm. Uh, when you have turned your back on something, um, you, you know, the, the Christian faith was dominant, pre predominance and then society and people at large, they turn their back on that faith, and therefore they become either hardened or indifferent. Well, in the Muslim world, in the, in the Middle East, when you preach Christ and you preach that you can actually have a relationship with God, that God can actually hear you and answer you, that he can speak to you, that, that you can actually have a relationship with God, people are absolutely mesmerized and they say, tell us more. And then what God has done started back in the 19, early 1980s is a phenomena that has now spread all over where God manifesting himself in dreams and visions that um, uh, dear friends of mine, uh, church leaders, began in 1982 to pray and to fast, specifically asking God, we can't preach the gospel outside of the walls of the church. It's illegal. But would you manifest yourself to them? And it began, and uh, God has been manifesting himself to thousands, tens of thousands of people coming to Christ literally every day. Uh, my prayer now is that, you know, because I hear this daily, that I don't become jaded. And I said, oh, yeah, well, I heard that before. Well, just another thousand people come to Christ. Uh, it's 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 just amazing.
0: This is a, a, a great time for us, I think, to gather together. We're going to be gathering at the Moody Center here in New England uh, this coming fall, and you're going to be one of the keynote speakers. We're so excited. But this was actually planned for last year, and obviously circumstances affected yeah. us from gathering. Um, but I think now is really the time, because people yeah. haven't had a chance to gather. They're hungering for that gathering. Yeah. Do you think that the, the, all these things have kind of fallen into place for a reason? See, God's timing is perfect. Mm-hmm.
1: I have learned through the years never to question (laughs) or never to even uh, uh, ask uh, why, because God already has a reason and he's working his purposes out. And COVID actually baffled the minds of even some scientists. I've talked to some scientists and they said, you know, when you think about it, with all of our power and might and scientific, might, this tiny microbe you can't even see it uh, with a with a microscope, and yet it devastated the world and and almost destroyed the economy of the world, and and the millions of people have died, and and they stand there helpless, uh, and it took them so long to even uh, develop a vaccine. So I think. Right now is the time people are saying, well, you know, is there a possibility that God exists and that he is a powerful almighty God and that there are some things that science cannot answer and cannot solve? By the way, I'm not against science. I love science. I think science is only discovering what God already has, has in place. So I'm not anti-science, but science still limits limited and has limitation, but God is not
0: this is certainly going to be one of the first gatherings many of the people have been to outside of uh, smaller gatherings or even in their local church. In New England, where a lot of the churches are smaller anyway, people have been meeting and gathering even over the course uh, of this past year, but many have stayed away. But this is something I think that's going to be really essential for the church at Wider to gather together in one meeting place. It's probably the first time in in over a year, uh, definitely close to two years, that people have been able to gather. Do you think that that's significant for the church to gather? I know that we've seen a lot in the Middle East where the church is gathered together. Do you find that to be a significant event in our in our uh, seeking of
1: revival? There's no question. There's no question. And I've, I've always said the unity in the past, in the 60s and so, World Council of Churches, you know, thought we're going to unite all denominations together organically, and and this denomination going to unite with this denomination. That is fake unity. The unity, I mean, for example, in Atlanta, Georgia, for the past 30-plus years, uh, a Baptist pastor and a Presbyterian pastor and myself, an Anglican, we have been meeting together for prayer and accountability, mm. and that's a kind of a word that's not being used, but we hold each other accountable, and praying with each other, and of, of different that is true unity in Christ, because Christ is the center, and God blessed all our three congregations because of that. And so, when God's people gather, regardless of the labels they wear, um, and and truly pray and truly seek only the glory of Jesus, not the promotion of our earthly kingdoms, our own kingdoms, we're going to see God move in such a way that because God is zealous for his own name. He's zealous for his own name. And so when we come and line up with him and we are zealous for his name or we're seeking the glory of his name, God will respond. He will respond supernaturally, not through effort, but in response to the longing of his people.
0: Now, before we got started, we were talking a little bit about uh, what you were preparing to come and and speak in this uh, fall session, and uh, I I know there's probably a lot more prep and time and prayer before you can kind of finalize your thought, but you mentioned something that was really important. Uh, You're going to preach the gospel. That's what we believe here. Uh, I know that that it's the gospel that has the power to transform lives. Uh, We believe that our motto is, many voices, one message, and that one message is the gospel. Why is it for, especially for us as Christians, I mean, this is going to be a Christian gathering why is it so important for us to hear the gospel again
1: well in fact we're not only supposed to hear the gospel again and again and again we're supposed to speak the gospel to each other Mm. because when paul said i am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god unto salvation he's saying that the power is in the gospel Mm. so we can go around looking for power and for this, and miracles, and those supernatural, you know, looking for all kinds of stuff, and then we we start manufacturing stuff and, and, you know, fake things, and we try to make it, you know, force the hand of God. It doesn't work that way. When Paul said the power is in the gospel, so what kind of power are we looking for? The power is in the gospel. So the preaching of the gospel itself is going to bring the power of God to come upon, because we as believers, you see, here's the thing. We always talk about sinners must repent and come to Christ. I preach that all over the world. It's wonderful. But we have forgotten that we as believers must have a repentant lifestyle. Mm-hmm. We have forgotten that. In fact, I was having a discussion years ago with a megachurch pastor about confession, that the church, when they pray, have public Confession—that either is, is a joint confession with a psalm or whatever. I said, "Oh no, 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 no! We don't confess because we're already saved." I said, "But we're sinners, so we 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 walk in this." You know, one of the incidents that really left an indelible mark when I read it first time in the Scripture is when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, and uh, in in John thirteen. And he comes to Peter, uh, and Peter, in a typical fashion, he said, oh, no, no, Lord, surely you wouldn't wash my feet. I mean, and then the Lord insisted. He said, no, Peter, I'll wash your feet, because if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. He said, oh, no, no, okay. If that's the case, then wash all of me. And the Lord said something very amazing to me. He said, now, Peter, those who have been bathed, namely those who are saved, eternally saved, only need to wash their feet. Because we walk in this world, day-to-day activities, and we get sullied by the dirt of the world. We need to be constantly washed. Our feet need to be washed. That is what I call the lifestyle of repentance. And so, that is honoring to God. When God's people themselves repent and turn from their sin and begin to walk in holiness with God, God responds to that. Mm -hmm. And He will see to it that, sinners will come and be eternally saved because of the righteous living of the believers the righteousness of jesus christ
0: when we're talking about revival and really revitalization for here in new england and and this this great service we're going to be having as you with you as a speaker bringing the gospel it's the gospel that resonates within us as believers that that's something that we need to be reinvigorated we really need a resurgence of this gospel flowing through our our veins because if we are living out the gospel preach the gospel to ourself uh, as you mentioned uh, presenting the gospel to one another proclaiming the gospel to other believers that's going to become a natural outflow to to the world around us that certainly needs to hear this message that has transformed our lives because they themselves need to be transformed
1: Absolutely. I mean, I can I can open the scripture and I can open the Greek text and I'll tell you why the iota subscript is in that word and and I'll give you the, all the details and that's fine. There's a time and a place for that, but I really believe that event of October one is is a God ordained event as as we can see. I mean, from last year that we postponed it from spring to fall and. Uh, another year, and and now we know this is a God time, God God's time. Uh, therefore, the the one thing that I believe God would have us do is the proclamation of that gospel with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you know, God is the author; the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. So when you open the Word of God and you proclaim the gospel, it's the Holy Spirit's power is going to flow through the lives of the people who are there.
0: Mm absolutely a necessary necessary time to be gathering together again to be reinvigorated by the gospel uh, but we're also talking about New England where people yeah. are rather discouraged I mean this is an area where uh, 50 counties uh, throughout New England are under 3% evangelical uh, you know yeah. a little bit about those kind of numbers because you were sure. part of an unreached people group you know in, in the Middle East yeah. um, these are pretty we've been devastated by the numbers and the statistics in this past yeah. year uh, we We kind of feel like maybe we've hit a a death blow, but um, we don't believe that. We certainly believe that God is building his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Uh, But what encouragement do you have for our listeners who are feeling that everything that has happened over this past year and a half has has been overwhelming?
1: Absolutely. I I really believe, uh, you know, also, in addition to my life in the Middle East, I went to seminary in Australia and I ministered in Australia, I was ordained in Australia. And in many ways, Australia is very much like New England mm. uh, in terms of statistics, very secular, very hard secular culture. And um, I, I had the experience of evangelizing and even door to door in a very secular society like in Sydney where I lived and ministered and pastored. Uh, so I'm, I'm aware of that and, and dealing with that secular culture as well. But you see, nothing is impossible with God. God may be patient, and uh, he may delay, but he does not deny. His delay is not denial. And the faithful people who have prayed for a long time, God will not forsake them. God will not uh, turn a deaf ear to them. So I think the time is coming for God to... Um, you know, the Bible said, particular book of Revelation, that the prayers of the saints are kept in a golden, a, a golden uh, bucket. It's not a. It, it is. It's not clay. It's gold. That's precious to God, and that one day He's going to tip this. All all those prayers and the answers are going to fall, and uh, the water all the dry land. And COVID-19, I believe, is part of his plan.
0: This has been uh, a unique season, and there's a lot of reasons to be disappointed or discouraged over it. Uh, But I I honestly believe that we are seeing some really great things happening here in New England. You know, there's uh, a lot of churches that have gone online and been able to minister and spread the gospel. There's a lot of people that are hurting. A lot of our neighbors are really affected. They're looking for hope. And I think now is a time more than ever before for Christians to really rise up and and seize the opportunity to see the gospel spread throughout our communities.
1: Absolutely. And I think... Uh, my uh, dear friend Leighton Ford. Uh, some of the folks in New England will remember that name. He's Billy Graham's brother-in-law and a former associate evangelist. And Leighton Ford, many years ago, came up with a, a statement that really kind of resonated for a while. It's called "Gossiping the Gospel." <laughs> and 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 you know, when you think about it, those these are the times uh, when we the neighbor is ill the neighbor is suffering or neighbor lost the job and there's issues of need that we by god's grace who have been blessed we can help meet that need and then uh, not necessarily lord it over them but gossip the gospel just like we talk about the weather and they talk about um uh, uh, the, the the red socks <laughs> you know we can we can talk you know let me tell you about the one who really uh, saved me eternally. Let me tell you, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> about the one who redeemed me. Let us talk about the one who set me free from sin and addiction. Let me tell you about the one. They're just that simple. I mean, it's, it's not going to be a, a big theological treatise, but just sharing uh, uh, Christ uh, one-on-one. Mm.
0: Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I, say I love so. that. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Uh, I think that over this past year, we've really seen the vulnerability of the, the kingdoms of this world. Uh, everything that we see around us is falling apart. We're taking this whole year actually to work through uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And one of the key themes in the Gospel of Matthew is the treasures of your heart and the kingdoms of the heaven, the kingdom of this world. Uh, you've written yeah. a book called Treasures That Last, and I kind of want to yeah. pick on it just a little bit because sure. I think that this is a time where we really have to evaluate our treasures when we've seen so many things that are vulnerable and easily yeah. pass away, decay or stolen from us, even our freedoms. Yeah as christians we see something that is far more valuable in the treasure of god
1: yes and that freedom it seems to be um, slipping uh, through our hands every single day Uh, every single there are forces powerful forces that are literally dedicated to limit the freedom of speech only to christians I mean, I've read material, I've read their stuff, and I read some of their social media. they literally dedicated and committing to muzzle the Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to be part of the mainline denominations back in the 70s and the 80s. And I remember, uh, you know, some people who tried to um, uh, infiltrate uh, the ranks and said, well, look, we, we're only asking you to accept us. We don't want anything. Now we gotta accept it. No, we, we, we just want you want to be equal. Okay, they're equal. Then we want to be um, dominant. Now they dominate these taking over completely these denominations. Uh, and now they want to say our lifestyle should be taught as a virtue, literally. And and I said the problem is even if you do that, it's never there's never enough. And you say, why? Because they are created in God's own image. And therefore, their conscience inside are burning. No matter how much you go along and you appease and you say, yes, 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 they will never be satisfied. They'll never be contented because their conscience is burning. They're created Mm -hmm. in God's own image, and they know instinctively because of that creation what's right and what is wrong, and they know what is wrong, and therefore they're fighting hard, they're fighting hard. And so what we need to come and say, we love you. We don't have anything against you, but we also know a better way. We know God's way in which you can receive his peace and his contentment and his joy. And why don't you give it a try? And I think that's really the message that we need to bring now, especially that we have, you know, all of a sudden, you know, we're hitting rock bottom. And I think every time we hit rock bottom, I think there's another bottom. <laughs> uh, but I think that we're coming to the point where there's no more bottoms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've we've had the bottom of the bottom. And therefore, this is the time where we need to be lifting people up to, to know Christ and see Christ.
0: Mm. You know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we we, <laughs> we very easily get distracted and we get our, our targets off course but uh, what you're calling us to do and what really the gospel calls us to do every day is to keep our eyes fixed on jesus and yeah. when we're looking at jesus that really becomes where we put our heart and where your heart is that's where your treasure will be also uh, really you're talking about investing into the kingdom a kingdom that will last and that's the kingdom that god is building with his church and the kingdom amen. that he says he's going to establish when he returns
1: amen Amen. And that's, that, that's it. And the other thing is we need to be at peace knowing not everyone is going to believe. Mm-hmm. Not everyone. The book of Acts said those who are appointed unto salvation came. And we need to be at peace about that, that we are to tell everybody to sow the seed everywhere, but we are at peace inside knowing that those whom the Father draws will come. They will come. And so we, we we can't just keep beating the air and thinking that you know this has to happen, this has to happen. But we we inside at peace while we are preaching the gospel, sharing Christ, lovingly, thoughtfully, and in every way we know how. But nonetheless, we ourselves are at peace. We're not we're not striving, uh, we're not fighting, we're not. Uh, uh, it, it You know, try to beat people up and pull them by the lapel and say, you got to believe, uh, because that is counterproductive.
0: Well, we're certainly praying to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I, I honestly believe that this is a time to, to see a great harvest for the kingdom of God here in New England. So excited to have you coming uh, in October 1st. Oh, would you be willing to pray uh, over us and over our listeners now to, to encourage us uh, and really to gather us together for this event that would send us back out into the mission field?
1: I'll be honored. Father, I join with the thousands of people who have been praying. And now you have postponed this because of COVID, which is not a surprise to you. (laughs) But in order to give us even more time to pray and to seek you with all of our hearts and to confess to you publicly that without you, we can do nothing, that without the power of your Holy Spirit, we can accomplish nothing. And so we are coming father in humility in brokenness in confession asking you to for the sake and for the honor and for the glory of your name show up we know that events are just that events but if an event can be a spark by the your holy spirit we know that can ignite the fire of the holy spirit in new england Father, people prayed, they gave, they sacrificed, um, they've done so many uh, uh, things, believing that that area of your world is an area where you have blessed in the past that you can bless again, and then you can bless the world through New England. And so, Father, we come in faith, not faith in faith, but faith in you, Lord Jesus, and in the power of your Spirit. Uh, Thank you for uh, my brother, uh, Pastor Adam Miller. I pray that you bless him, bless his ministry. Thank you for this great radio station. Be with them. Bless them. Multiply their listeners, for we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. We've been talking with Dr. Michael Youssef with Leading the Way and a great ministry that is coming here to New England to help uh, spark some revival in our hearts and our minds. I know that many of our listeners, it's a call its a call to all of you to come and join us for this amazing event October 1st at the Moody Center. And if you want to find out more information, please head over to our website at songtime.com uh, or give us a call, 508-362-7070. Uh, Dr. Youssef, thank you so much. Your passion for the gospel is clear, it's evident, and it's infectious. I can't wait for this fall to, to see you in person and to share the gospel message that will revitalize our hearts. Thank you for being a part of the many voices for that one message.
1: Thank you very much. I look forward to it. God bless
0: you, brother.